Mike, what are we talking about on today's episode of Moving the Goalposts? Today, we discuss the Patriots' first win of the season over the New York Jets, and we take a look around the NFL in Week 2. Then we preview the Patriots' next game against the New Orleans Saints in Week 3, and we reveal our Week 3 parlay. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, and tell a friend. Moving the goalposts wherever you listen. McCourty against McCourty. But you have a lot of respect for his career. Oh, great block right there. And look at the broken tackles. Damian Harris bulldozing his way. Myers digging, turning. That is a touchdown. You might never see this season a better hard-earned run for six by a running back in the NFL. 26-yard touchdown run. Fighting every inch of the way. Damian Harris. That was beautiful. Ready? 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 One, two, three, five! What's up, everybody? Welcome to Moving the Goalposts. Not New England's number one sports podcast, but, you know, we'll, we'll figure out exactly what to say. I'm your host, Nick Mara, joined by my co-host, Mike Masala. Mike, how are you now? Doing well, brother. How are you? Not so bad. You can check us out on social media. I'm available at Nick Mara 94 on Twitter. Masala, you can catch him at Mike underscore Masala. We have producer extraordinaire Andrew Meehan running the board today. Meehan, what's up? Not much. Not much. Good weekend. You all right? 3 and 0 since 2005. Luck, lucky 3 and 0. Third third time's the charm. Thir- 3 and 0 since for the first time since 2005? Uh yes, since the first time the first time since uh, 2005. It's impressive. I don't think they won a game the last 2 years that I was actually at that school. So, <laughs> definitely uh improved since I've been there, but uh producer extraordinaire Andrew Meehan, you can catch him on Twitter at a underscore 83 As always, we want to make sure you guys are following along on Twitter and Instagram for the social media of the podcast. You can find it at moving the posts boys week two. The NFL season is almost completely in the books. Now we've got one game left, but a busy day, a wild day of Sunday NFL action. I think uh, it would be wise for us to start off where we we typically start off, which is with the Patriots. Uh, They grabbed their first win of the season yesterday against the Jets. It was Mac Jones first career win in the NFL, a 26 to a 25 to six final 26 to five was going to be what I said. And then I realized how the hell would the jets have scored five points in yesterday's game, 26 to five, uh, 25 fucking almost did it again. 25 to six final Masala win. Number one for Mac Jones under his belt. Uh, give me a grade on his performance. Uh, I would say probably like a B minus. Okay. Um, I thought he was okay. Uh, completed the passes that were there for him. Didn't necessarily take a ton of risks. Um, you have to also factor in the fact that his offensive line play was downright awful. Uh, your Sear Durant get, I mean, 
he allowed three sacks in the first half, got benched, and then uh, Haran came in, immediately got hurt, and Durant had to go immediately back into the game. So with what he was given, I I can't say it was terrible. I just expected more against a poor Jets defense. By more, do you mean take more chances down the field? I would say, yeah, take take more chances. I, I don't know if that's necessarily his fault or if it's on Josh or if it's on the execution just in general, but I like I wish they would have taken a couple shots. Even like the last um, one of the last opportunities that they had in the red, the red zone, um, they just lined up and, and got ready to kick a field goal. Like I, I want them to I want them just to, sh- to show something. They have yet to throw a pass to the end zone yet. Two games yeah. in, no passes to the end zone. Their red zone offense is still like not producing. They have one, two, two total touchdowns in the red zone. The James White one this week and Nelson Aguilar last week. And other than that, they've done absolutely nothing. So, like, I was very high on the team off of week one in a loss. I'm a little bit lower uh, coming off of a win this week. I was not expecting that. Actually, I thought that I'm you here to bring be- the negativity. Yeah, well. Like I, I have no problem with us bringing negativity as long as, as we've talked about now, we have to introduce it at the beginning of the show. We can't leave right. on a negative note. We have to start off on a negative note. But uh, uh, Mian, did you think that the offensive line struggled to the extent that it kept them from being able to call certain plays? Because if if we want them to push the ball down the field, you would think, you know, ideally you need a little bit more time in the pocket. Yeah. If they didn't feel like they could trust whoever was playing right tackle to, to generate a, a play call like that. I, I don't know. What did you think about yesterday? I mean, in terms of pushing the ball down the field, I don't, it could be game plan week two. I mean, is you know, our bill and Josh kind of holding back a little bit. And we, you know, I mean, this is the offense that we saw with Tom Brady, you know, dumping it off, dumping it off, you know, just when you, when you talk about the offensive line and just how awful it was yesterday, first of all, hit on that, like hit on that real quick, but solid. Yeah, it was, crap yesterday that fumble I put more on the offensive line than I put on Mac Jones and Durant who missed the block usually it's the guy who's there to recover the fumble that misses the block that's a good point so um yeah I mean I think it could have hindered their their ability it's the ability Mac's ability to push the ball downfield is there but our guys getting open are like that trickery play you know apparently Aguilar was open towards the end zone but by the time he got to the end zone is by the time Matt got the ball so we had to dump off to Johnny Smith the right call I mean it could have been an incompletion or worse if he tried to push it to Aguilar he picked up 19 in the first down I don't know it's kind of tough to tell because of how early it is it could be the offensive line you know hindering us you know to have enough time in the pocket to get the ball I mean we saw that handoff to Harris I Mac barely had time to you know to eat. he just tossed it to him I think that's that if that was a little bit more forward, we counted as a pass. But yeah. <laughs> I think it could be a good mix of both. But yeah, the offensive line, which we probably expected to be one of the strongest points of this offense, is turning out to be the weakest. Yeah, and and I think if you go hand in hand with the offensive line, if there's one thing you can give them credit for yesterday that they did do well, it was run block. Now they, oh, yeah. didn't, they didn't run for you know over a hundred yards. They didn't have someone you know carry the ball into the end zone three times or something like that. There was no outstanding performance and you could even say that the Damian Harris touchdown you give a hell of a lot more credit to Harris than you do the offensive line but yeah, I think yeah. in the running game they did their job and and that's what we were expecting from this unit was to at least give give Jones an opportunity to advance the ball down the field not necessarily with a, an intermediate could be baby steps. pass could be baby steps it, that's what I'm thinking that's what I'm thinking is just get his feet wet 
allow him to kind of see what it's like to manage a game. And then once you need him to start taking chances, then you can have him start taking chances because uh, I thought yesterday was maybe the best game we've seen from James White in at least three or four years. Oh, God, yeah. He's definitely starting to look himself again. I mean, uh, six receptions, 45 yards. He added a touchdown on the ground, which he doesn't do all that often. Um, Yeah, he looks looks like pre-2020, like 2019 James White again. And if – you're going to need a quarterback to have like their their safety blankets. It's tight ends and pass catching running backs. So um, they've they've definitely built this team in that that direction where they have those two tight ends and and your your James White your your safety blanket there um, to help him get accustomed to to the speed of the game or or just different different looks that he's going to see thrown at him. And uh, along with the offensive line, like I think. I think that Trent Brown might have been able to go in this game if it was a team that they might have had a little bit more trouble with. Like if this was a game uh, going into the playoffs, you need this game to win. I think Trent Brown probably could have played, but this is a week two matchup against the Jets who uh, aren't the most talented bunch. Yeah, so and, I, and I don't think they needed it. Even with them lacking in talent, they've also been hit pretty hard already early in the season with injuries. I know that they... I don't know if it's Shaq or Carl. It's one of the Lawsons. Then they ended up replacing it with another Lawson, not related. But they have a front seven that I think definitely have caused a lot more issues if they were healthier. So trusting that you could have gone with a Haran or a Duran in in place of Trent Brown, it's a risk that I think they were willing to take. It's a risk that I guess paid off. I mean, I'm willing willing to even risk it further. The the next two fronts that you're going to face, New Orleans, pretty good. Tampa, very good. Violent. Yeah. Somebody said that on 98.5, and I was like, yep, that's how I'd ac- accurately describe them. My concern isn't necessarily in the production. It's in the protection of Jones, though. Yeah. I, I don't want... He can He can take hits. He's taking some shots. He, uh, he can... But, you know, the question is until how many... Right. Right. You know, right. just because you can take a hit doesn't mean you necessarily want him but to. But I say that as he doesn't look too rattled. Okay. A lot of QBs, especially rookies, get hit a lot, get rattled. And just, I mean, we saw it with Wilson yesterday. Wilson took some pretty bad shots, and good God, yeah, yeah. Let's Oof. let's 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 talk about the uh, the defense real quick. Would they get four interceptions yesterday? Two by J.C. Jackson, so yep. he's going to lead the league in interceptions for for real this time. I thought that he did it before. He came in second last year with with ten picks or something like that. Um, and another Pro Bowl snub. Did he not make the Pro Bowl last year? Didn't. How come? I don't think so. It's a good question. Would you say that he had a better season than Gilmore? Oh, yeah. I don't know. No, I, I mean, would. he played more, but but I think the defense looked good yesterday. I was concerned that the Jets were going to have something up their sleeve that we hadn't seen before because you've got new quarterback, you've got new pass catchers, you've got some something that is unfamiliar. Uh, that was not the case whatsoever. Zach Wilson looked awful there were maybe two throws that he made where i was like oh there's really something there but i think more than anything it's it's just the fact that he's in new york like they are not he that Mm. that does not happen if he's wearing a patriots uniform i don't think it does i don't think that happens if he's wearing a 49ers uniform like if they if he had slipped to third overall and the 49ers wanted to to grab him instead of trey lance i don't think that he has a performance like that uh, after the game, I remember hearing that uh, their head coach, Robert Sala, was saying that they want him to kind of understand you don't always have to make like that 
fantastic looking play. Like sometimes just checking the ball down and doing what the Mac Jones job is, is, is the right move and things will eventually open up. Uh, the problem that I think they may run into is in his post-game press conference, I'm talking about Wilson. He was actually saying that the Patriots defense didn't present them anything they didn't already know was happening. It was just execution. So he's going to continue to be aggressive and try and push the ball downfield. That's not what I want to hear from a quarterback that just threw four interceptions. But they did. They did. The media was asking Wilson if I won't necessarily say it just in case we can get the sound clip to work. But they were wondering if he was maybe experiencing some things that Jets quarterbacks of the past had. And he he assured them that he wasn't. But. I mean, if I'm a New York fan, then I'm, I'm kind of concerned because his performance yesterday, there's really not much that I can go off of and say, I'm excited about the future of this season, at least. Right. And there were a lot of throws that uh, definitely left you scratching your head. Like, who was he possibly throwing to? Like the play with Devin McCourty, the, like there were four guys in that area, four right. Patriots defenders and Devin McCourty. That was the easiest interception you'll get in your life. And, and like, it just doesn't make any sense, some of the throws that he was making. Um, the Patriots defense was okay yesterday. I am – and I don't know if this was this was the we're not going to let Zach Wilson beat us and they focused just on that and that was the game plan. But they were gashed over and over and over in the run game, and this is becoming a problem, and it's not just this year. It's – two years it's three years you improved your front seven you got Hightower back you brought in Van Noy again you brought in Judon you brought in Henry Anderson run, run stopper Devon Godshaw uh and uh nothing has worked out there so are you noticing that they're having more problems on the inside runs or the outside runs because I think that those are two completely different areas that would be addressed with different personnel right um, I didn't necessarily see anything different, um, like like a big difference between the two. Maybe I'll look for that more in the next game. Um, but I like I just think in general they were getting absolutely torched every time that they wanted to run the ball. And you're not going to beat many teams by running the ball, especially if you're running backs or like Michael Carter, um, who a good rookie, I guess. But um, Ty Michael Carter and Ty Johnson, like that, those were, those guys aren't going to beat other teams. Yeah, it, the the New York Jets backfield yesterday was you could have pulled the name out of a hat and I wouldn't have known if they were on the team or not. It was, yeah. it was that, that basic. I think that's what really shot, you know, the you know, Jets shooting themselves in the foot is, especially on third downs, they were really just steering away from their game. Clearly the run is working. Why? No, let's throw the ball one more time on third down, please. Yeah. Like it hasn't worked the first three or four times. Let's give it another whirl. Right. Um, I, I think after that first, Red zone stop down at the goal line, especially I think is kind of the kick in the ass that this defense needed a little, you know, booster. I think they're still maybe working out some of the kinks. Uh, you know, they took credit to that O line for the Jets. They took Matt Judon completely out of the game. Like I saw one sack from him. I thought that this front seven was going to present a lot more trouble for Wilson than it really did. Um, but again, I mean, this is what we've seen in the past, especially like go back to 2019 with the boogeyman, you know, and Lamar Jackson, who, yes, it is Lamar Jackson, but yeah, I mean, with Deshaun Watson too last year, you know, these, uh, facing him two years in a row, um, you know, again, it's just those 
guys that can run outside and you're caught chasing. Well, even last last week against Tua, I mean, the option play that he ran yeah. down by the goal line, they, they had a very difficult time containing and, and figuring out who was going to get the ball. Any anytime they're forced to make a decision on the edge, I think they're running into some problems. And let's not forget yesterday that that Van Noy wasn't active for the game. So if, if they were having some problems setting the edge, he's one of the guys that I think does it the best on this team. And um, I think if, if we were going to talk about individual defensive players on who had a good game, like if we were going to do our own sort of like Greg Bedard three up, three down. I was actually impressed with the performance of Juwan Bentley. I thought that he did a fantastic job uh, in the middle of the field, not necessarily defending the run game, but closing holes and getting penetration. And he was active yesterday. I'll, I'll give him credit. I thought that his performance in week two is definitely better than week one. Did you guys notice anybody in particular on the defense that stood out to you? Yeah, I'd say Phillips. I mean, he's been that guy kind of the last year and a half now. Um, he's just like he seems to be uh, everywhere. Whenever you need him, he's making a stop or at least putting pressure on somebody. Uh, from a guy his size, that that's another situation where I don't know if he's going to hold up making all these tackles every year and year in year out. Um, but he seems to be wherever the defense needs him to be. So I, I'd give him the bump uh, this week. Man, what'd you what'd you like? Uh, Phillips was definitely on my list. I'd say Duggar saw Duggar fly up the field a couple of times, uh, you know, to make some tackles on, uh, on some run plays, Christian Barmore, I think he played with a lot of, uh, played with a lot of aggression, of course. And, I, I think uh, it's this week. He was noticeable. Was yeah, much more noticeable absolutely. This week, yeah. You're right, right, right. Um, I noticed Hightower playing on the outside some, uh, on some plays, different look was able to get to, uh, was able to get to Wilson a couple of times or get in the backfield a couple of times, at least, uh, who Davis practice squad standout pulled oh, the, him up the lineman that got the, the first sack of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't again, another one of these guys where it's like, I think for maybe 10 years in a row, I could tell you every single member of the Patriots. That's where we are. Number, I, where we're at with this team. I don't think a lot of people understand that, but it's kind of been that way for the last few seasons where they're, they are pulling yeah. guys up day of game that you've never heard of. And you're like, who's that? Okay. Whatever. Who's that? Okay. Well, like, was it, Two years ago, they had a linebacker that was running around the field with like long hair that looked like Nate Ebner, but it wasn't Nate Ebner because Nate Ebner wasn't on the team. It was like they, they just pull people out of nowhere to do one thing for one week and then they're on the street the next day. Right. And the, they kind of did that again this this week with they brought it to Sean Bauer again from the practice squad. And Bedard pointed out on Twitter, he was like, how is this guy getting snaps over Uche and Winovich so early in the game consistently? And yeah. Like, I guess he does his job well and uh, like stopping the run. Is that supposed to be what you're supposed to do and you continue to get run over? I, I don't I don't know. Yeah, like, I mean, I think Belichick likes to use those first, definitely the first week, first two weeks as an extended preseason, especially against a team like the Jets, you know, get it some different looks. Can we squeeze by? We've seen ugly. We, we have seen ugly wins against the Jets in New York with Brady before. It's happened. It's nothing new. I mean, it's just like I expect this team anytime they play in Miami every year, I expect us to get our asses kicked. It, Something about Miami, we just can't win down there. And I don't, I don't necessarily know if I would call it an ugly win. Like it wasn't a pretty win, but would you yeah. call it an ugly win? That might be a little strong. I, again, yeah, you're splitting hairs there, but I think yeah, it wasn't pretty. I think the, the reason it's just it in wasn't terms of the red zone. The re, exactly, it's the red zone effectiveness. It's it's if you have to keep kicking field goals, which shout out if we're going to talk about all three phases of the game, let's let's give a quick shout out to the special teams unit. 
Nick Folk now the franchise record holder of most consecutive field goals made as a New England Patriot. 33, 33 in a row. I was surprised to find out that the previous record holder was not Adam Vinatieri. It was Steven Gostowski. Yeah, does Vinatieri run forever? Does Vinatieri even hold any records for the Patriots anymore? I don't, I don't, off the top of my head, I'd have to look. Unless it's like game-winning kicks or maybe something like that. that, that would be the only thing I could think of. But he does hold the league record for most consecutive made field goals. So does he? he yeah, forty-four. Oh, wow. but I think folks even. Yeah, he's he's kind of gearing up on that too. <laughs> well, I guess it's lucky that the uh, extra points don't count because he did miss an extra point yesterday. And of yeah. course, he's really got... kicking off out of the out of, out of bounds. What was that about? Yeah, it's... yeah, that was a little little fishy, a little strange. I don't know if he was trying to aim the ball there or something. I think that's the first negative thing I've ever said about Jake Bailey in my life, but like, probably. That was... But that's why people shouldn't be too hung up on it. <laughs> yeah, true. Just, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> he's he's forgiven. He's he's earned enough. Uh, yeah. Pr- privileges. We, we, or we have seen much worse from kickers in this league. Can we talk about that red zone though? Yeah, I was the most frustrated I was with the red zone yesterday. It had to have been the last scoring drive. You're you're within. You're within five yards of the goal line. We can't we can't get the tight ends involved. Just a little five yard pass into the end zone. We can't do that. The guys that you spent tens of hundreds of millions of dollars on in the offseason. Maybe we're trying not to show too much. Maybe we think we can just squeeze by and do another. I'm not saying I want a Mac Jones touchdown. I'm not saying it's just we continually stall in the red zone. And it's good. It's good that they had four interceptions. It's good that they got a couple of touchdowns off of them but you're not going to get four interceptions every game. Yeah, especially two, deep in their territory on a couple two, of them. Two too. of those weren't on Wilson. First one, I think, was just an excellent you know, tip drill. Uh, the second one went right through Corey Davis's hands. Corey should have had that, and he, you know, and I think he admitted that on the sideline. The last two throws, though, the last two picks were just awful, th- awful, awful throws by Wilson. So, Mike, what would you do to fix the red zone problems? I mean, I don't... They are at least getting points. You know, we, we don't have to necessarily worry about this being a team where your quarterback's going to take back-to-back sacks and kick you out of field goal range, although it did happen once yesterday. Um, but what would you do to solve the issues? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like they're really trying to score touchdowns to me. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, getting your tight ends involved. You don't have a fade route expert. You don't have any of those guys on, on your team right now. So you're going to have to get creative. You're going to have to do some sort of crossing pattern or some, or some sort of uh, slant to get, get your guy a double move, perhaps maybe a triple move. I saw a quadruple move from Hunter Renfro. Yes. So, I also saw that. that was... <laughs> so if you can start getting guys to do quadruple moves, uh, I mean, you might have find a chance to get in the end zone. They, they need to do something and maybe yeah, you don't have the uh, amount of time uh, that the Raiders have given Derek Carr, uh, to complete quadruple moves, uh, but I think, uh, yeah, they have, not, they have not to with do that something. offensive line. They have to at least take. I, I understand the you don't want to turn the ball over in the end zone. I get that, but you have to take a shot. Like I, I don't want to play so conservative that you're not even attempting. Again, two weeks into the season, the only pass they've thrown at the end zone was a ball through the end zone on purpose. So now there, that's there's a good point that you mentioned because towards the end of the game. And then in the end of the game, you know, I'm looking at Mac Jones a lot and, and paying attention to his body language just because I want to see how he interacts and how like what he looks like, because 
we've seen quarterbacks in the past with very poor body language, and it ends up being very deflating for their team. We've seen quarterbacks in the past with very good body language. I think of Russell Wilson. His body language is almost perfect. It's unlimited. It, yeah. He's got unlimited positivity when it comes to body language. That guy I've never seen, even when he throws a game ending interception in the Super Bowl, he still has like perfect body language. Uh, it looked to me, not that he was mad, but I'm trying to get in his head and think maybe what he's thinking about the team is winning, but I don't really feel like I'm a part of the wins. It's second start. Yeah, but I think McDaniels point, needs to cut him loose at, at some point. Yeah, right. At what point do you think that starts having an effect on his mentality going into games where he's like, I'm not really doing anything. They're not asking me to do anything. And it's I'm getting kind of at the same time. We'll hear from Mac in a minute if it works. Um, yeah. It should. I think it was just that web that browser page that I opened. This should work, though. Um, but seeing him push the pile on that 26 yard Harris uh, TD run. Uh, seeing the block he threw out for who was it? Was it born? I think it was the, on the yeah, end but, around, right? Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> in terms of a quarterback, I'll count. I'll count that as a block. Um, yeah. Brady, all he has to do is just run in front of somebody, and they don't want to hit him. Uh, <laughs> but you know, his body, like that body language. You know, he was headbutting. I think born after uh, Harris's run as well. Kid looks like, you know, he plays pissed. Yeah. He plays with some aggression and with some, a lot of enthusiasm. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. He does look angry. I'll, I'll give you that. He's, he does kind of have this. He should be. He had a lot of, of teams of... pass on him. And he's so far, he's, he's looked, he's looked better than a lot of these rookies. Some of them are playing, some of them are, but I mean, he has been put in better positions to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say Trey Lance was put in a terrible position. All, all he needs is Garoppolo to suck, yeah. which is more than or get hurt, which I, is more than likely to happen at some point this season. You know, we we're not, we are going to go into uh, other games in a little bit, but if we just talk about the 49ers real quick again, two and zero with Garoppolo as a starting quarterback, all they do is win when he starts. It doesn't look pretty. They scored seventeen points against the Eagles, but a, a win is a win, right? That's what they say. I don't know. But do you think that there's going to be a point where Jones starts to kind of feel as though he, as the quarterback, should have a little bit more to do with the team than just handing the ball off and throwing it five yards down the field and not turning it over? I think if he does, we won't hear it. Like there's not going to be a, there's not going to be a uh, Tom Brady esque quote where he's like, I'm the unhappiest one in one quarterback in the league. Like we're not gonna we're not gonna hear Mac Jones say something like this. Like he has said pretty much everything that you want him to say coming into uh like press conferences or dealing with the media at all. Um he just does he does seem like that type of guy. He he wants the ball in his hand. He wants the opportunity to go out and win games. And I think he knows kind of like a lot of us know is if this game was against a a regular NFL level opponent. I don't know if you win. It's it's much tougher at the at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Boys, any final thoughts on Patriots Jets? Well, do you want to hear do, from Mac? Yeah, let's 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 get the, a sound bite. Just just so we make sure that the computer's still working. It definitely is. It definitely is. Right. Um, I think it feels good. Obviously, it's hard to just what everyone's saying, it is hard to win in the NFL and uh, we played two games and um, won one and lost one. So you got to take it for what it's worth and we'll get better. I think everybody, including anybody who watched the game, could agree that 
the offense can play better, and we will. Um, the defense did a great job creating the turnovers, and um, we talk about it all the time as playing together and complementing one another, offense, defense, special teams. And um, on offense, I think we definitely feel um, blessed to win, but at the same time, you got to take it for what it's worth and, and move on and try and correct the things that we need to work on. I mean, I don't want to get hung up on it, but at some point, he can't, there's no way that he believes everything that he says. No. Because that's I mean, it's perfect what the answers that he gives. Perfect. Yeah, the I textbook. Think, see, everybody's complaining about like they're finding more to complain about him in the press conferences than <laughs> they are in the field. Because that's all you can do is you got to complain somewhere. But I think that's like just Nick Saban, Alabama, more than it is. I think like he can't like a lot of people use the term pre-programmed. But I just think that's the I think that's just like his style. I really don't think it's more so like just. Belichick kind of pulling the strings and working him like a puppet. I think I mean, that's, I really truly believe that's Mac. That's Mac's personality. I think it's a piece of his personality because we also know that he's a very kind of like fun, loose, young guy. Like he, I think likes to have fun. We oh, you want know. to talk about young. The weirdest thing was hearing those guys do their cadences yesterday, both Wilson and, and, uh, and Jones. What did he? What is that? Yeah, Mac, Mac, someone has to teach him how to uh, reach down into the bottom of his throat and find his deep voice, his man voice. <laughs> he's, he's a lot of G Willikers every time I hear him talk. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. He's not that squeaky and high pitched, but there is a there's a nervous energy to him almost. But it's like a it's like a confidence. It's young, a, it's, it's young kid. Was he 23 now? I think he celebrated a birthday. I'm, I'm 23 and I'm calling him young. I know, but, but you but, also but I, sound way more. Yeah, I sound like a freaking thirty-five. Yeah, you know what you, you should probably do is you could be his voice, voice. surrogate, <laughs> voiceover, voice his, coach. Yeah, his voice surrogate. So he goes up there and he tells you what to say, and he moves his mouth, and you just kind of like stand behind him and provide the audio. Yeah, but I think it's just it's all like natural. A, like this is natural. I think that's just him being natural. Uh, I think uh, you know it's just natural to like look at work Wilson. Wilson and, looks like he's twelve. He does. He has. He's definitely got the the baby face. But uh, but no, so I think that we're feeling good about the team, though, right? One and one after a couple of weeks. We're not in panic mode. We didn't lose to the Jets, uh, but still understanding we're uh, watching a team that's probably more middle of the pack right now in terms of the, the standings in the league. I mean, right, I think... Go, go, oh, go ahead, Masala. I was just going to say, the, the, for me this year, the, this year specifically isn't about the results for me at all. Like there was a lot of people, I know we both happened to, all three of us, I believe, happened to listen to a a midday show around here um, where people were talking about, uh, it's still a loss at the end of the day last week. But for me, I I don't care if it was a win or a loss. I want to see how this kid looks coming, like going through the performance. Like like, Regular season games don't count until October. Right, right. It's only a 13 game season. Well, see, see, like, Again, it's a, he's a rookie. I, I just want to see him put performances together and see that there's growth there. Uh, I don't expect them to go make a, a Super Bowl run this year. So, like, I, I just want to see um, positive things happen and see that there is a future with your quarterback. That That's that's what I'm looking forward to this whole year. Yeah, I think that's I think that was answered week one. Um, you know, and they could be taking it slow with Mac, and I'm fine with that. You know, it's. Play, not so much as playing it safe as to like you're worried. Of, uh, 
look at the position that Wilson was put in just time and again after the Jets. That's not how you bring up a rookie. You know, so again and again, like in free agency, I've said this time and again, you sign these guys to two, three years deal. This is not going to be a one-year project. This is, you know, Henry is going to be around for two or three years. Smith is, you know, born. Aguilar, this is a work in progress, not just this season. You know, like some idiot caller on, uh, you know, on the midday show at 98.5 called in and was comparing, you know, obviously we're going to face we're going to face the Bucks in two weeks. Uh, in two weeks, and you're going to need to put up more than 25 points if you want to if you want to beat them. You're not going to beat them like you did yesterday, unless your defense just plays outright stellar. Um, but it's just that's like comparing two way different, just completely different teams. Temper expectations, it's, basically. It's it's like obvious. Like, well, no shit. Yeah, I expect Tampa to be better than us. They are better than us. But like that's just a no, like you're acting like it's like just surprising. It's not surprising. This team is still trying to figure out who they are and what they are and what they can be. And I'm fine with that. I expected that. This is a brand new Patriots team. I expect them to keep doing that up into like maybe no no further than week four, week five. All right. Whip around the league. I don't think we need to do it the way we have been doing it for the last week and then all last year we don't need to be a scoreboard which is what i when i was listening to last week's episode i realized like we're kind of just going through the uh the schedule and saying what the scores are and then talking about highlights so why don't we talk a little bit more specifically about games that we either watched or paid attention to yesterday um i think a perfect game for us to start off with is probably the other divisional game the dolphins and the and the bills uh in Miami, Miami's home opener, they got absolutely destroyed by Buffalo, 35 to nothing. Tua, I think, is probably the story of this game coming out is the Tua injury because Miami looked awful after he came in. If, if they need to go with Jacoby Brissett for an extended period of time, I mean, you might be looking at a team that would consider making a trade or trying to pull off some sort of move for maybe a replacement over a medium amount of time. Who knows? But the rumors are going to start big time. Uh, If the Dolphins were to make an upgrade, let's say Tua is gone for six weeks and they were to make an upgrade at quarterback. Let's say they just bring in quarterback X. What is their team like after we've after what we saw in week one and them get absolutely destroyed in week two? What, what, do, what do we think that this team is going to be capable of with you know your average quarterback coming in to replace Tugavailoa? I, I think, think it's it's pretty much like me it's a middling team. It's exactly it, I kind of didn't have the highest expectations of Tua or the highest thoughts of him going into the season. So I mean this does it doesn't really change all that much for me, and, and it, it is sad. Like, like I like what I like watching like Jacoby, and I like watching Jimmy, and like all, all the former guys. But like that was it was tough to watch yesterday. And it, maybe if you have quarterback uh, quarterback W, uh, just a random letter I'm throwing out there, um, come in. Maybe that picks everything up because there there are pieces there that could be successful. Uh, I just don't think they have it all figured out just yet, even if Tua is healthy. Yeah, I, I think their offense has, like you said, playmakers and, and the ability to score points just depends on who's the guy that's pulling the trigger because 
doesn't seem like between Tua and Brissett, they've really got someone who can control the offense and, and lead them up and down the field. And yesterday's game, I don't think needed to be a, a blowout. I think Miami's defense probably could have done a better job of, of containing the Bills offense. I mean, Josh Allen didn't really need to do much of anything. You know, he completed 17 passes, 30, 33 attempts. He was like 50% passing, 179 yards through an interception, but there just wasn't a challenge there. So big takeaway for me out of that game is the Tua injury. My second biggest takeaway coming out of that game is I think Buffalo is starting to feel themselves again. They Getting that win in that manner, I think it's the biggest deficit or largest margin of victory in the last like 30 or 40 years for the bills, something crazy like that. Uh, if this team starts to feel themselves though, and get on a roll, that's when they're going to be dangerous. And they are going to be one of those teams that you talk about in the AFC as being a competitor for the conference championship and, and playing in the super bowl. But, uh, but no, Masala was there uh was there a game that kind of like caught your eye or anything? Yeah. I think the uh, last night's Sunday night football game, I think, kind of captivated everybody. Um, every time the Chiefs and the Ravens get together, uh, it's going to be a, f- a phenomenal matchup. Um, these are two of the most uh, electric quarterbacks in the league. Um, some some may not like some of them. One one of the two quarterbacks, I, I'm not, those will remain nameless. Uh, but you get everything you want out of this game. It's it's incredible offense. You get gutsy calls at the end of the game. Harbaugh, obviously, uh, looking over to Lamar, kind of taking the blame off of him, maybe on the national stage. Oh yeah, we, I listened to Ooh. my quarter. I listened to my quarterback instead of in, instead of uh, making my own decision. I didn't even uh, think about it like that. <laughs> it was it was gutsy. It was it was a it was a awesome call at the end of the game. I also uh, may or may not have bet on the Chiefs to win this game by four, um, and them fumbling uh, and not going for a touchdown, just playing because you think you have the time and you think you're going to make a field goal, go for the points, go for the win. It, I don't, I don't, I don't know what we're doing here. The Ravens clearly had an objective of taking Tyreek Hill out of this game and they did a phenomenal job of it. I think this is like one of Tyreek's worst games since entering the league, three catches for 14 yards. And, and yet, the, the one highlight that I think I would take away from last night's game is that Travis Kelsey touchdown where it was almost like Damian Harris, like, Right. Like he catches the ball three yards or four yards behind the line, the scrimmage, and he just bowls over guys, runs through guys, runs around guys. Like he's elusive like a running back, but he's built like a tight end. Right. He he is the biggest mismatch in the game right now. Like, and we said that for years about Gronk and Kittle has come off to a slow start this year. Darren Waller is kind of in that conversation as well as we've we've all all known and discussed. Um, but the Ravens also on on they pointed out on the broadcast, it was tough for the Chiefs to know who was going to block them. Like they were running and all of their all of their offensive linemen were randomly picking. Like it, it felt it felt random, obviously very coached, but like, oh, I'm going to hit this guy on the left. I'm going to hit this guy on the right this time. Like it was you never knew where the block was coming from. So there was a couple plays where Chris Jones like stood there and just like waited for somebody to hit him because it, their, their running game is so it's so strange and their blocking works so well. It, it, it completely shut down their pass block. Their and, pass and, and, and as I was watching last night's game, I think it, it might've been once Kansas city got their 35th point. I think it was, was it 35, 24 at that point? 
I'm watching the game and I'm thinking to myself, the only person that the only teams that have ever beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs have been teams with Tom Brady on them. And I was definitely being a little hyperbolic or exaggerating when I was talking with my dad saying, oh, Tom Brady is the only one that can beat Patrick Mahomes. Tom Brady, and he's like, he doesn't play defense. He doesn't do this. He doesn't like, but how do you stop the Kansas City Chiefs? Because it really didn't seem like the Ravens ever stopped the Chiefs as much as the Chiefs kind of stopped themselves. Right. I mean, if, if they don't fumble, like obviously you put yourself in a good position to kick a field goal there. Um, yeah, there it, it is the most impossible task in, in the league is to, to slow down Patrick Mahomes, potentially like a, a top three, four wide receiver. I don't know where you want to rank Tyreek Hill and the best tight end in football. Like, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you stop any of this? Uh, it's by making mistakes. Like that's the only, the only way you can hope to um, compete with this team for a full 60 minutes. But it was good. It was good to see Baltimore get back to being a competitive team. I'm happy for Lamar Jackson. Now he's finally got a win under his belt against Patrick Mahomes. Again, some people are happy for Lamar Jackson. Others, I would say 66% of the people are happy for Lamar Jackson. Present company included. Right. Do you have a game yesterday that you enjoyed watching or? I wouldn't say I enjoyed watching this, but (laughs) maybe, maybe I did it just to like fuel my fire a little bit but uh you know hey because you're gonna face them in two weeks yeah i watched uh i watched tampa bay and uh atlanta atlanta surprisingly made it a game um and i think this is good now the final score is 48 to 25 kind of you know give me points at the end of that game pick six by uh ryan when you're you guys were only down two of them two yeah first one though you were only within 10 points of of uh, winning the game because that's I'm sorry, but that last scoring drive where they got the two point conversion too, I was like, they're making quite a bit of noise right now. They shut and that was a tough crowd to play against. They shut that crowd up real quick after after picking up that third down scoring and then also uh, getting the two point conversion. Shut them up real fast. These teams kind of were I don't want to say neck and neck, but total yards. 341 for Tampa, 348 for the Falcons, passing yards 293 for uh for Atlanta, 259 for the Bucks. Beat them in rushing yards. That's probably the biggest difference between this uh between these stats right now is uh for rushing yards 82 for Tampa and 80 uh 55 for Atlanta. Both pretty much average the same yards per play. Nine penalties for Tampa. Still struggling with that. That's something that you could probably, you know, Use uh use against and try to get them to commit these stupid penalties, especially on that offensive line. Uh, both four punts, three sacks allowed for for Tampa. There is some weakness. They also they killed them on time. I wouldn't say kill, but Atlanta really killed, got to them on time of possession too. Over a half hour of uh, time of possession, only tw- like close to twenty seven minutes for Tampa Bay. I was surprised. I thought this was going to be a 48 to three type of game, but Atlanta was in it. And then they kind of just, they really Atlanta beat themselves to be honest with you. And that's, that's really the biggest way I can see us losing to Tampa is if we beat ourselves. Yeah. The the interceptions that they were throwing is that that's, that's the biggest key. Like you're going to possess the ball, get all the way down to the red zone, throw a pick six. Throw throw an interception. They yeah. Th- I mean that that's what kind of Matt Ryan's 
career has been is that he's continuous to get in the red zone and then throw an interception. Right, um, right. Also, if Gronk is just going to be Gronk again, dude, I don't even know if I want to watch this season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. dude, that's four yeah, touchdowns total, total, total three hundred and sixty. So, yesterday was, I think, the first time that I was, I was angry, like agit, like actually agitated, uncomfortable, didn't feel good type pit in your stomach, and I didn't even watch the game. It was just knowing what was going on didn't it wasn't there was no rooting interest like last year I could look at the season as being oh it's a COVID year and I'm pissed off that they let those guys go so I have no problem rooting for them but it's I didn't think I would ever get to this point maybe I didn't think I would get to this point as quickly as I did I'm actively rooting against the Buccaneers now though. Oh, well, yeah, I think maybe it's probably because we're going to play them. But I'm telling you, man, there's now Pats Nation. If you're listening, if you're going to that game, standing ovation when he warms up, all that other crap. I don't even think we do that. But I don't even think you do no, that. If you, think, do, if you do you know anything, what? you do it during the warm up. Once, once that game this? starts, though, you rule when the Patriots are on the goddamn field. You know what? The guy's going to have his day when he gets his red jacket, when he gets his number put on whatever they decide to do. Yeah. I think it would be awesome and more respectful towards him if you booed the shit out of him and treated him like the enemy for that entire day. wouldn't it just not be it's fun it's fun to root against brady to see this side of the this side of the nfl that we really <laughs> neglected for 20 years it's kind of nice it's well it feels wrong it kind of it's kinky it almost <laughs> it, it it's inevitable it makes it watching the games inevitable. Like, it's like you're just waiting for something to happen. That's like a lot of talk is, you know, let's go through this right now. Does he We try to save him as much of this for, you know, week four, but <laughs> we'll, we can, we'll, we'll come right, right around and maybe we'll just go with each other's answers for right now. But does he get a video? Yes or no. In week, week four, week four, does he get the video then? Yeah. I think he gets a pregame. He gets pregame. Yes. Pregame. No, not at all. A lot of people are like, when's a better time to do it? Oh, I don't know. When he comes back to retire. I agree. That seems like a... I think, honestly, if I'm... Now, you know what? Now I'm kind of changing my mind. Do it. Oh, Please piss me. Fast. No, no, no. <laughs> if I'm on that roster, if I'm on that roster, do it. Piss me. Piss me. If I'm Mac Jones, piss me off. Let's make this about him. Please do it. I, I Piss me off. I, I dare you. I do think, though, you are going to experience more fans in that stadium that are willing to root against him than I, I don't know than than previously thought I, I just I I'm thinking if I'm really were, trying to put my faith in Pat's nation if but. I had a <laughs> ticket to that game as a Brady fan as a guy who would have worn his 12 jersey to that game and had no problem cheering him on and not rooting for them to win but enjoying his final game at Gillette Stadium I don't Really, I mean, I don't want his final game at Gillette Stadium to be as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer winning when his last game at Gillette Stadium as a Patriot was walking off the field and defeat in the playoffs. Yeah, and also throwing a really BS throw to a double-covered snail. Yeah. Sorry. That, that, that wasn't the Brady game-winning drive. That was, that was the first time in my life I think I've probably witnessed, yeah, Guys checked out, doesn't want to be here anymore. Let's get this shit over with and leave. Yeah. 
that that's what I saw. I didn't see what we saw Sunday night football or it's not Sunday night football, uh, Thursday night football on NBC, you know, to open up the season. Uh, real quick, just because we are going to be playing every team in the NFC South this year, Falcons going to be good. They've played a couple of fairly competitive games. I mean, yeah, hey, I if they're good enough to keep it close and then lose. <laughs> yeah. Again, the, it, it, seriously, I don't really think ten, they again, the Falcons shot themselves in the foot. They were in a position to win that game and they lost because of themselves. Yeah, not not a good result. But um, switching gears, looking forward now to week three of the NFL season, staying money, in the money, NFC money, South. Money, money, money. We got to win. We got to win, fellas. We do. We, we definitely I changed do. up the song this week. But listen, maybe it's that. Let's take a, a, a quick preview into the Patriots week three matchup against the New Orleans Saints. No Drew Brees. <laughs> like how we're going to talk about the Patriots in my mind is just money. <laughs> the two can be related. They, they, they don't could. have to be they could. exclusive. They from could. One another. I, the Saints, the Saints and, and money are very uh, related in my mind, specifically right now, as a, as a, I am sitting here paycheckless in with no paychecks in my hands right now. Ooh, ooh yeah. That's oh, I'm sorry. Point. Did you see him play yesterday? Yeah, um, I think I so think we were sold a start. <laughs> hey, I think I think you were uh, sold a false bit of goods week one. Let's attack this from the enemy perspective. What about the New Orleans Saints? Do you guys think is something that New England has the key on this week there in practice? I think you can rattle Jameis Winston. I definitely think that's true. I'm talking more something that they have to prepare against. Something that the Saints are going to offer. You did say that. Yes. Sorry. Something that the Saints are going to offer or, or challenge the Patriots with that New England's going to have to combat. I, I think Cameron Jordan will be an impact player that you're going to have to pay attention to, no matter who you're, is on your offensive line. You're probably going to need to either chip him with a tight end or double team him, but. Can't let that guy beat you. That's 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 my guy that you have to look out for on the Saints this week. Yeah, I think obviously I think though when I look at the Saints roster right now, especially without Michael Thomas, it's Alvin Kamara. I mean, the if you have a running back, a dynamic running back who can get into space, catch balls, the Patriots linebackers may be good. They're not all that athletic. Very uh, I don't I don't know if you're going to be able to keep up with him. So I don't know if they, they decide to put a safety on him, a cornerback, something, but uh, Kamara is going to be the guy that they're going to have to watch on their offense. Well, I think with Kamara, it's almost you could use that because they don't really have much of a tight end. New Orleans doesn't, I don't think. No, Troutman they, and Jawan Johnson, they're both not that good. Yeah, so you're not going to need to designate a, a linebacker or a, uh, sorry, a safety, someone who's a little bit more mobile to a tight end. I think you could probably cover them with one of your linebackers. This is going to be another one of those classic Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar games. Have them yeah. come down low, play in the box, be that extra man who can kind of check down uh, Kamara and keep him from breaking those plays off. I'm going to kind of have to look back at Carolina's game plan for him this past week. I'm going to have to look, look closer at that game because they held them to five, uh, five yards on eight carries and 25 yards on four receptions. So Carolina, sneaky it, good team. Mm -hmm. Sneaky good team. Sneaky now that, that, that could have been the case. You said eight carries. Uh, eight carries for five yards. Because that's not a lot of carries, not even the yards that I'm paying attention to. It's the carries. Carolina probably got out to an early lead. New Orleans was probably trailing. So if this is one of those games where you can start fast and build yourself a lead and then make New Orleans play catch up, I have no problem with Jameis Winston throwing the ball 40 times a game right. because you're probably going to come down with it two or three if he's throwing it 40 times. 
I mean, the guy threw 12, was it 12 passes, 15 passes week one for 150 yards and five touchdowns. But once you start opening things up for him, it's, it's going to expose him and he's going to make more mistakes. And I think that this is going to be the first game. I know that New England got four interceptions against the Jets last week, but this I think is going to be that first game where you're going to be able to see all three levels of that defense make impacts in separate portions. Hopefully the run defense is going to be improved. You know, I, yeah. I think they freaking killed them. But total yards, passing yards, rushing yards. Is it the Panthers? Oh, yeah. So uh, why don't you give us um, give us some of the numbers. Give us some of the breakdowns, man. All right. Total yards. And this is going Panthers Saints every time. 30, 383, 128, 294 rush. Sorry, that was total yards. Passing yards, 294, 80, uh, 80 yards for the Saints, 89 for the Panthers, 48 uh, rushing yards for the Saints. Let's. Four sacks allowed for the Saints. They punted six times. Eleven penalties for the Saints. Yeah. Only five for the Panthers. Four punts for the Panthers. Only two sacks allowed. I mean, geez. it was a sloppy game. Very they, sl- they, uh, they, the Saints' part, absolutely. Yeah. So if it, six first downs, six for New Orleans, and two interceptions. Yeah. Not a good day at, at the office for them. I don't know if that's going to be the same type of performance you're going to get in, in consecutive weeks, though. I think Sean Payton, who's the defensive coordinator in New Orleans? Are you, do you know? Are you familiar? Uh, not off the top of my head anymore. But I think that Sean Payton has the ability to look at a stat sheet like that and say, 11 penalties. Why did we, why did we lose this game? 11 and, and hey, penalties. We, we were in that position in week one. I don't think we had 11, but I think it was like eight or nine though. It was yeah. still a lot and you clean yeah. things up and it makes a huge difference. I mean, if you're not giving away 50, 60 yards worth of field position or automatic first downs on spot fouls, there's a lot of aspects of the game that you're going to do better in. Oh, you know, good for Sam Darnold too. Good for him. A little bit of, you know, our resident Sam Donald guy right here, right after Carson Wentz. I mean, it was Carson Wentz the, number one, Sam Donald number two. Derek Carr is, is having a good season. All yeah. the guys. It's only week two, fellas, so let's not get too excited. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but this is the best Sam Donald has looked through two weeks oh, of absolutely. the season in his career. It's that, like and you when, said, it's that Jets jersey. And you know what, though? When they the announcers were talking about it during the broadcast between Patriots and the Jets saying that New York has spent two top four picks on quarterbacks in the last four years. It really does make you realize like, 30, holy cow. Imagine if they had the quarterback already and they used both those picks. 30, on. 35 different quarterbacks for the Jets since Joe Namath. And Joe Namath wasn't really that good. Broadway Joe, you kidding me? <laughs> Joe Namath. Uh, if anybody, I dare someone to look up his statistics and tell me he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Either way to type and I'm actually typing on Broadway. (laughs) (laughs) It would still probably pop up, but I think the saints do possess a challenge uh, or present a challenge, not possess a challenge. Probably the most difficult team that new England will have played to this point in the season. I think Miami week one would have been a much more difficult matchup for them. If it was down in Miami, you know, it was a nice kind of like soft landing spot for Jones in his first career game being able to play at home. I think that's once again going to help them out a lot in this game. I don't know if New Orleans is going to be able to... I don't know what kind of game New Orleans wants to play. 
if they want to play one of those close scoring, you know, or a low scoring close games, or if they want to sh- try and make it a shootout, I, I don't think one benefits over the other for the saints. I know one does benefit over the other for the Patriots. I mean, it, uh, and this is obviously something everybody's been concerned about since the start of the season. It's the secondary Can New Orleans really, t- you know, if they can buy Winston enough time in the pocket, you know, can you start throwing all over the field with this secondary? Are you are you really that? Con- I mean, McCordy, you can be confident. They're really, the only guy that I'm looking at is Jalen Mills, and that's the biggest question mark. Ja- Jackson, given that you know, well, that was a pretty good play. That was a great play on the uh, first interception from Wilson. Tap it to McCordy, and McCordy taps it back to him. I mean, it's biggest question mark for me at the secondary is Jalen Mills because that's someone that they could really take advantage of any, any holes on the Patriots that you're concerned about going into this game, Mike? (laughs) Yeah, I I think, yeah, I think it's still the offensive line for me. Yeah. Like, like you said, Cameron Jordan could be a home wrecker in this game. Um, I would like to see if, if Trent Brown's back, I feel a lot better about it. Obviously Um, if he's not back, like give Kajus the shot, man. Like I, I just want, I want to see this guy get, I want to see this guy get some reps. And I, I know like everybody was sold out on like the, they, they were done with him, but like he was the backup in training camp. Like that he had played himself into that role. I just don't know if that's the right move. I think the right move is to just kick a out to tackle and put Karras in at guard. That's what I was going to say. Like, I, I, I genuinely, that's what I've been doing on Madden for the last two months. <laughs> I'm Same dead thing. serious. Every no, but I'm <laughs> serious. Like anytime Isaiah Wynn gets injured, I take Trent Brown, move him to the left tackle, move Awena to the right tackle, and then plug Karras in at guard. He's one of those guys. That's like the guy who calls in and it's like, you know, I know what I know what Rask is going through. I played goalie for Revere High back in '97. <laughs> the ironic thing about that statement was I did play goalie, but not for Revere <laughs> High and not in '97. <laughs> Crap. Yeah, I I totally botched that one. Damn it. <laughs> I I am in a very me and I'm in a very difficult predicament. Not really. I, I will say this, though. I spent between two to three years working, and I use that term very loosely in quotations for a, a, a volunteering. It was there was a stipend involved. There was a stipend um, and some expenses, you know, gas lunch things you, like that. you did it in all in all you did it for the love of the game i did it for the love of the game but uh, scouting essentially uh, i remember this i would have a very difficult time saying to somebody if i called into the radio listen i know what i'm talking about because i went scouting for two years i watched maddie Beniers when he was 15 years old and now he's getting drafted second overall by the seattle kraken i i, I don't think that i really have that uh that much credibility, yeah, but no, just tell us, you just kidding. when just it comes kidding. to when it comes to moving around the offensive line, yeah, yeah. I'm an expert at it because I do it in Madden. <laughs> but is that is that not the right move? Is that not the smallest, no, it is. easiest it move? Is. It is. Unless they just don't want to put a Wayne at tackle and they just want to keep him inside. Which I mean, they have they have the options, and, and I'm I think I said this earlier is I'm willing to risk it even more to keep. You know, if that if they're just not, I don't want to say if they're just winging it, but if it isn't hundred percent, even if it's only like eighty percent that calf, you know, for for Trent Brown, if he's ready to go, 
I'm willing to risk it and kind of try to squeak by New Orleans and keep him because, again, the next two front sevens that you're going to play, pretty good for New Orleans, really good for Tampa. Yeah. I'm all for sitting Brent, uh, Brent, Trent Brown. <laughs> Brent Trown. Yeah, Brent Trown. I'm really, I'm all for sitting Trent for one more week. If if we go with the option of move uh, Karras to guard and kick away in a while over to tackle. Salah, any final thoughts going into uh, into week three? Yeah, I'm just a, a little nervous about this game. I think it's going to be like obviously his biggest test yeah. so far. Um, I I don't know. I know we don't do predictions around here. We're going to do that in about two seconds. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> uh, I don't think they're going to win this game. Really, it's not going to be. It's not going to be good though. I don't think it's going to be as bad as a lot of people might guess. Well, I'm not, I'm not sold on. I'm really not sold on the Saints being a terrific team. I think I'm more. I think I'm more sold on Green Bay being an awful team. Yeah, that's true. Let's let's take a closer look then at these uh, at these spreads and odds and numbers for Week Three. Uh, parlay time. Parlay. Parlay. This this seems more like in de- desperation. Oh, I like this one actually. This is a good call, Ian. I feel like because all we really do need is a dollar. Seriously, anybody got a dollar though? Um, <laughs> Last week didn't go the way that. Come on, man! You know I'm good for it. We would have loved it to go. Uh, we we placed four four teams on the parlay for week two. No more Thursday night picks. Thursday night picks are tough, <laughs> and I'm bringing that on myself. I was well. I was thinking about mentioning that it was a Thursday night game to you, but I felt good about that pick. I Me think, too. Didn't you feel good about that Giants pick or that yeah. that what, football team pick? They won yeah, by one. They couldn't win by three and a half. So we had, we Shit. we did we did lose on that one. They didn't cover the spread. We also lost on the Rams Colts game, which again shocked that the Rams didn't cover the spread on that one. It was only three yeah. and a half. Yeah. Uh, thankfully the Cowboys as three and a half point underdogs beat the chargers did take a last second field goal, but nonetheless, we won that bet and the bills destroyed the dolphins covered that three point spread. So we went two and two on the week, not, not, we got to keep track of everybody's picks. I know I'm one and one. I am one. If we're not counting week one picks. I'm I would just say like did you yeah yeah cuz yeah I would count them count count the week two picks two and one I don't know what my record is but it's not I have losses and I don't like it so let's <laughs> let's try and that's generally how it goes <laughs> let, let's try and fix that um Masala you and I kind of like mentioned it briefly these point spreads don't look very appetizing there's a lot of spreads that seem like they're way too close, and there's a lot of spreads that seem like they are way too. Well, well let's are these are just not our set picks right now. The the official picks that what did my mic just do? That was my leg underneath. But like that really like looked like it dropped down about three feet. Anywho, <laughs> you know the the picks come out officially on Friday. Yes. So, but lines may change. Lines may change, but the picks cannot. That is the one thing that I will say is the picks have to stay the same. If the, if the line true, changes, true. The, the pick cannot because the line will be dictated on I'm where the money's coming in. I'm all for that. Right. 
we're still going to go with the heart. So pick well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Masala, we'll give you the extra pick this week. No, no. It's a lot of pressure. Did you get it last week? I, I think we, we couldn't did, uh, remember, to be honest did with you. I think we consensus, then we got it wrong. Yeah, I think that I th- was the Rams. Th- no, we got it right. It was the Bills one. I'm, the Rams one was on me. That was my pick. Was it the Ram- I thought the Rams one was the consensus one. See, you're right. We do have to keep track of it. Yeah, we got to do, do a better job. We'll, we'll I, catch up on it. Yeah. Uh, do you have a game, though? Do you got something yeah. that's that's really calling to you? The, I, again, the, not a ton of ones that jump off the page this week for me. Uh, I'm going to take uh, Seattle minus one and a half at Minnesota. I'm just not sold on the Vikings just yet. Like they they squeaked out a win this past week against a really good Cardinals team. Don't they lost. Yep. Yeah. Oh, sorry. They almost squeaked out a win against a really good Viking, a really good Cardinals team. Uh, their kicker uh, obviously can't kick. Uh, it was 37 yards. I, was, I can't believe you missed that. 37 um, yards. <laughs> and uh, no, I, I big fan of Seattle right now. I think their offense is doing everything right. Uh, their defense remains to be the uh, the question mark there. And if they didn't get a ridiculous taunting penalty, that game probably doesn't go into overtime and they probably uh, don't lose that one. Yeah. I, I, also, I, also tough to stop Derrick Henry. I just want to say like, Dude, dude, absolutely went off again. Like forty something fantasy points. Like, dude, he was a monster. He was contained. In carries. Week, he was contained in week one. One hundred eighty-two yards, three touchdowns. Like, he he's he's the type of guy. You're right, though. Where if he has a slow game one week, you can expect like a fifty-point performance out of him the next week. Right. I like that pick, though. I do like that pick. I don't know why they would keep that that spread so close because I do agree with you. I look at Minnesota as being maybe a team that can score a lot of points, but they're not going to win the game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Mian, have you uh, have you made your pick? Mm. I did, but then I saw the Cowboys. All right, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll go. I'll go next. Swing back. I'll go next. Then I'm gonna go bold. Uh, uh, we we haven't had a lot of success with this in the past. Are you going underdog? I'm going underdog, but not really. They're they're <laughs> they're getting points, I think, because they're a road team. But they are very much the favorite. It's the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> plus three and a half over the New York Giants. God damn it! I just I can't. Oh, man. Three and a half. I don't point. like. I don't like the three and a half. No, it's the Giants. It's yeah. the Giants, guys. Yeah, I said that about Washington. I don't with, care. The I, Giants are a disaster. They're not getting any better. If they lose the game, if Atlanta loses the game, then fine. It's on me. If they don't cover the spread, then it's because there's something fishy going on. I'm calling it right now because that game's happening in New Jersey. This is this has sounded like me the last three years watching Falcons games. <laughs> the Falcons have a great offense this year, probably not. But what they did against the Buccaneers, I think they have more success against the Giants, and that's that's why I'm justifying that pick. So I'll go Atlanta plus three and a half at New York. All right, I have uh, made my pick. I was going to take. Now, I like Arizona and Jacksonville. I was going to take Arizona plus six and a half, but I think I'm actually going to take the under of 51 and a half for this game. Ooh, I see. I think they only hit that under if Jacksonville is kept 
very low scoring. Oh, I think they could be. I think they could be. Denver, looking at Denver this past week, that was like, what, 23 to 13? I like it. I, lo- I like it staying under 51. Arizona's got an explosive offense, and Jacksonville's got playmakers, but they've been struggling so far this season. I, and Urban Meyer is in way over his head. Yeah, he's, yeah I think he's going to be out of there soon. I think I believed in those rumors that he was looking at uh, the USC job, not the USC job, but looking at definitely leaving Jacksonville. Yeah, he's it's what, I, what is it about to, college coaches that just can't crack the NFL? You have to fire him. You have to fire him or trade Trevor Lawrence for they should have kept everything should have kept the Yeah, Trevor Lawrence is not turning out to be what he uh, what a lot of him predicted to be. I still think I would trade Mac Jones for him. I wouldn't. No, thanks. In five years, though. Definitely not in five years. I, I, we, would be, we would be lucky if Trevor Lawrence is still in the league by then. If, if, this, if he keeps trending down this road. All right. So we've made three. You know, you know what these crap-ass teams should do? You know what? Why don't you, instead of drafting a number one, you know, your first round, it, it, this might sound completely stupid, but we've just seen it so many <laughs> this times. Is, this is, that's always, and that's how you know it's going to be completely stupid. That's how you know you're in for something fantastic. What, 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 what do you do? Just like, why don't you go after a veteran QB? Try the, try the free agent market instead of just like, look at the Jets. The Jets put way too much on Zach Wilson yesterday and like as our number, oh, our number one pick. He's so athletic. Look at the teams he played, you know, at BYU. Uh, if maybe if, draft somebody different at the first, you know, in your first pick. Do you think in the if, first round? If New York, the number one pick. If New York had drafted someone that could have been more of like an impact player for them, not a quarterback, and then somehow figured out a way to trade for Matthew Stafford, does that all of a sudden make them? See, I think the Giants are a quarterback away. I think I they think are they're also a coach away. Yeah, yes. If we're just speaking about players right now, yeah. But I do think that they are a team the, the team that is a quarterback away. There's the there's the rumors that what they're interested in Rodgers. I don't know if Rodgers is mentally there. It looks like he just is ready to like burn, you know, the ship and just drag saw- drag Green Bay down with them. But that's but that's what I'm saying though. Just these crap teams are like, here's this quarterback, he's gonna be the answer. And then we're just, you know, we're gonna ruin him for two or three years. I feel like we've just seen that time and again. Maybe not with the Browns. I don't know. I don't know. That's I'm just I'm. Oh, I, I hear you. You sound a little bit like a Jet sympathizer, which I'm there with you. Like I love Jets fans. I yeah, love they're, them. they're loyal. I mean, yesterday that crowd was pretty loud. Well, they're fantastic. But they're they're great. They're the best. Jets fans, Mets fans, and Arsenal fans. <laughs> like where where were the Rams in the draft this year? I mean, this was a quarterback-heavy draft, I would say. I think they, they had traded their first to... They've traded their first-round pick every year since Sean McVay's been there. He doesn't yeah. have a first-round pick since, like, till like 2029 or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. and the Jets do have plenty of first-round picks. They they would have been able, I think, to get Matt Stafford, but there, but again, there wasn't the, enough the around of, him. The amount of talent that they had on that team, they were like, we, we need a quarterback. Can we try to trade up and grab one? No, let's go with a free agent. Or not free aging. Excuse me. Let's trade. Let's a veteran. Yeah. Let's go with a veteran. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just me like sick of seeing these teams draft a quarterback, think it's the answer. And then because I mean, there is in Trevor Lawrence's defense, there is absolutely nothing around that kid in that Except organization. Except James Robinson, DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, uh, Travis Etienne when he gets healthy, Miles Jack on defense, Josh Allen on defense. 
Jacksonville's got a lot. Urban Meyer's screwing this up. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem like they have a lot. They've had a lot. It doesn't. It doesn't. They, they had a lot more in the last couple of years. They yes, had a they lot did. more in the last couple of years. They definitely did. All right, guys, we need one more pick. We need a consensus pick for us. So how about... Uh, Let's not screw it up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we really need this because we need the dollar, dollar. Anybody looking at a line, a total, a spread that stands out to them? Not all at once. Yeah, there. I mean, there are a couple that piqued my interest, I'd guess. Uh, like Dallas minus four versus Philly. Uh, Tampa Bay is an underdog at the yeah. Rams. Tom Brady's first time playing in L.A. Wow. Um, 1.5 uh, is the spread on that one. Uh Vegas has just been like dominating it. games and Miami might not have their quarterback and their Vegas is favored by five and a half. I don't know you about, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of like Dallas and Philly. I like Dallas minus four and a half. Mm. I do too. It's decided. Dallas four and a half. Dallas four and a half. Lock it in. <laughs> Classic lock sound. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's more of like a cash register sound. Wow, Jim Jim Louth over here. Great uh, what would a lock sound like? Perfect. <laughs> like tumblers, keys going into tumblers or something. I actually, that's a good point. What does a lock sound like? It, it's, it would be like a clanging, I would imagine. Metal on metal, metal hitting metal. Are there lock sound effects? <laughs> I'm really talking about, I, I mean, I haven't. Not that I'm looking right now. Well, that's what I thought you were doing. No, I, <laughs> that's why I was just. I'm looking actually like songs that begin with like lock, like in the title. And I'm, I'm really locked singing. up. Won't let me out. They won't let me out. I'm locked up. Akon. Oh, here it is. I was I was kind of like wondering. I was like, why didn't I see that? I scrolled past it. Or Bruno Mars locked out of heaven. Kind of like that. Picks are locked in. Locked up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Picks, picks are in. Oh. Wow. That played really well. I feel like this is a good way to close it out. That played really well. Before we close things out, though, we got to double check. Make sure... That uh, anybody who has a final blow is able to blow it out. Masala, do you have a final blow? Uh, no, <laughs> nothing comes to mind. No? I am, I am just ready to continue listening to the song. It's a, it's a jam. My final blow is actually the same final blow that you had last week. Wow. The Red Sox are like good again. <laughs> they finding- could win the division. They uh, six and a half back in the division with, I think, 11 to play. I don't I still think the division is out, but they do have a lead over the Blue Jays and a lead over the Yankees in the wild card. Now Uh, they finish up the season against the Mets, the Yankees, then the Orioles and the Nationals. At this point, it would be a disaster if they don't at the very least make the wild card game. And and I think that you should be able to have enough of a lead to host the wild card game where you can set up your pitching staff for that game as well. So my expectation is this team should be in a playoff series. If this team's not in a playoff series, it's a disaster of a season and somebody's head needs to roll because you can't, 
you can't bring the same thing back. Well, you can't run it back. Who are you back. getting rid of? <sighs> Whose head's rolling? They're not it's, firing Heim. It's not I, happening. I know they're not getting rid of Bloom, and they wouldn't get rid of Cora. They're not maybe, getting rid of themselves. Maybe Martinez. I mean, I know that's not like a huge name anymore, but he does have the opt out. I wouldn't have a problem if they say to him, like, okay, go ahead, leave, and we'll try and replace you with something else. We'll move Devers to designated hitter, and we'll have someone else playing third, and Cassis will play first. Or Cassis could play third, and Dahlbeck can play first. Bobby Dahlbeck is so good. Uh. I haven't watched a Red Sox game in a while and, and like fully paid attention, but I think this is going to be one of those years where it's like you turn on the TV for a meaningful baseball game and it's going to be sort of fun to watch, but still very frustrating and aggravating because I don't see them winning. Yes. So it's almost, I don't see them getting past the wild card. So it's like, again, we're talking about inevitability. How long is it going to take for their season to just stop? Isn't it already inevitable? No, it's just getting started. That's, that's what, Eh. that's what my final blow was. Yeah. Mean, do you have a final blow? Yeah, the Red Sox suck. Lo- love them to death, but my God, have they fallen off? They have won five straight. Yep, They're just against the Orioles. Bo- Bobby and... Dalbeck is getting Barry Bonds comparisons. I saw that on Twitter. No, I'm done with Bobby Dalbeck. Yeah, <laughs> trade him. Sell high again against awesome. the Orioles. What are we talking about? A hundred Dahl- losses for the Orioles. Bobby Dalbeck trading high, selling high on Bobby Dalbeck is exactly what the Red Sox should do. Similar- Red Sox, yeah. Similar to how the uh, Celtics should have traded Robert Williams at the trade deadline and sold high on him. But Build up that trade value. That's just my opinion. Uh, all right. So you're down on the Red Sox. I'm up on the Red Sox. It's not Sox. that I'm down on them. It's just I don't care. It's football season. They got me to August. I know. But <laughs> just know that they're going to be the, in, in the, the words playoffs. of Dan Shaughnessy, they start playing MLB teams again this week. Yeah. So. No, I, I don't know. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. That's a good f- that's a good way of putting over it. the final two weeks of the season. How about that? It's a good way of putting it. How about that, guys? I think that's going to do it for another episode of Moving the Goalposts, episode fifty-seven. Steve Nelson fifty-seven. A and Eduardo Rodriguez fifty-seven. A Manny Del Carmen fifty-seven. A. A rookie PJ Axelson 57. Wow. You definitely <laughs> pulled that one out of nowhere. I <laughs> looked that up before, the before internet. we started recording. <laughs> 57. 57s are actually kind of tough. Didn't realize this. No Celtics. Is there we like a Joel that? Hanrahan 57 or something like that? Or is he like a 52? I was going to say, I think he's like 56 or something like that. Ah. <sighs> 50, there's been a lot of Red Sox players who are 57 too. Like I'm definitely drawing a blank on all of them. Yeah. E- Erod's like the only one that off the top of my head that's coming to mind. The only one I can think of. But it's episode 57 of Moving the Goalpost. As always, we want to make sure that you guys are following along on social media. You can catch me at NickMara94. Masala is available at Mike underscore Masala. Andrew Meehan, producer extraordinaire. He's available at Meehan A underscore 83. Mike, till next time. Later, brother. Peace.